Hi, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. On today's episode, I am going to be reviewing ACDC's new album, Power Up. Released last Friday, Power Up is their 17th studio album, if you count the Australian versions for High Voltage and TNT in 1975, and is their first album since Rock or Bust in 2014. When the Rocker Bus tour ended in September 2016, it looked like Angus Young could be the only original or close to original member moving forward. Uh, Stevie Young, he and Malcolm's nephew, had already replaced Malcolm, who was suffering from dementia and has since passed away. Rest in peace. And Brian Johnson was replaced by Axl Rose for the second half of that tour due to hearing issues. Phil Rudd had been replaced by Chris Slade for the entire tour. Uh, Chris had been a member of ACDC from 1989 through 1994. Uh, They had to make that switch due to some legal issues Phil was dealing with, which uh, precluded him from traveling which of course makes touring difficult. And Cliff Williams had announced that he was retiring at the tour's conclusion. Now, Brian has found a workable solution to his hearing issues and is back. Phil's legal issues have been resolved and he's back. And Cliff has come out of retirement. So we now have the classic post-Bon Scott lineup restored with the exception of Stevie Young replacing his late uncle Malcolm. Uh, For those of you who aren't aware, Angus Young is their lead guitarist. Malcolm Young was the rhythm guitarist, and it's now Stevie Young. Uh, Brian Johnson is the vocalist, having replaced uh, Bon Scott when he passed away in 1980. Phil Rudd is the drummer, and Cliff Williams is the bassist. As this is my first episode about the Thunder from Down Under, I figured I might as well explain my ACDC journey. They were one of my first favorite bands. ACDC Live Collector's Edition was part of the first batch of CDs I received. I think it was for my ninth or 10th birthday. It was from my dad and stepmom and sister and two brothers there. The other ones in that batch were Queen, Greatest Hits, Jefferson Airplane, Platinum and Gold, and Waiting for the Sun and the Soft Parade, both, of course, by the doors. I've seen ACDC once, live, September 10th, 2015, at Downsview Park in Toronto on the first part of the Rocker Bus Tour when Brian was still there, and I look forward to seeing them again post-COVID. It was a fantastic show, uh, tight and powerful, with great production value as well. It was also the loudest show I've been to by far. I had an 8.30 lecture the next morning with my favorite professor, Dr. Dick Day, who's just retired, actually. Happy retirement, Dr. Day. And it was his personality class, actually, which was my favorite class of his and is my favorite area of psychology. Anyway, my ears were still ringing and I could barely hear him. I was quite astonished at this since the show was in an open field and I think I tried and likely failed to quietly ask someone next to me, is his mic on? Anyhow, ACDC have remained in or close to my personal top five artists. 
I haven't sat down and ironed out my list for a few years and not since I became a devout deadhead, so I probably should. I love the power of their sound and I think there's beauty in the simplicity of ACDC's approach. This also applies to Phil Rudd's drumming more specifically. He's one of my favorite drummers and his hi-hat feel in particular is one of the underrated keys to their sound. It's not lost on the band though. I was watching an interview with Malcolm from the Stiff Upper Lip Tour in the early 2000s and he singled it out as a key to their sound as well. And if I may go off on a bit of a Myers-Briggs personality type indicator tangent, uh, since I mentioned that personality class, I think the allure of the inferior function may be at play with my love for ACDC. Me being an INTJ, I cannot think of a more stereotypically ESFP band Those of you who are familiar with Myers-Briggs on some level will probably know that the inferior function, which is whichever one is fourth in your cognitive function stack or lowest of the the four that are your so-called conscious four, is sometimes referred to as the aspirational function. And there's always somewhat of an allure to activities and people who use that function very strongly. Indeed, two of my very favorite people are an ESFP and an ESTP, respectively. Anyhow, back to the topic at hand, which is ACDC's new album, Power Up. As far as general observations, Phil Rudd is back with a vengeance. He always plays powerfully, but he seems extra aggressive here. Uh, More extensive use of his trademark upbeat crashes, So for the non-drummers or non-musicians out there, the downbeat is the one and the three, and the upbeat is the two and the four. So most of the time, you know, the bass drum falls on the downbeat, the one and the three, and the snare on the two and the four. And typically the crashes are linked with the bass drum, so they're usually on the one or the three. But one of Phil Rudd's tricks, and he's not the only one who does it, but it's kind of a trademark of his playing and of ACDC's sound, especially in the choruses. He will crash on sometimes just the upbeat or sometimes both, and it really gives the song an energetic feel. Probably the easiest example I could give you is if you think of the chorus in You Shook Me All Night Long, when it first flips to the chorus, it goes, you so the you is on the downbeat and the crash is on the upbeat anyhow back to this album uh the band as a whole plays with great power and chemistry i think the album flows pretty well it has a pretty cohesive sonic palette and the album artwork matches it very well Uh, The sound quality is good. I'm a little mad at myself because I held off on ordering a physical copy of it because I wanted to make sure I actually liked it first. So the only format I'm referencing right now is the digital one. I bought it on iTunes, and as a result, the hi-hats sound a little crunched, which I notice oftentimes with... 
digital versions of stuff, which is kind of maddening in this case, especially because, as I mentioned, Phil's hi-hat work is one of the best aspects of ACDC's stuff. So I think I probably will order the vinyl of this to be able to hear it in all its glory, but I was definitely able to get enough to get this episode out to you in a timely manner. I also think there's pretty good tempo variance on the album. So now I'm going to give you some more specific track-by-track observations and then uh, do some general thoughts at the end. So track one is called Realize. I like the variety of riffs, especially the ones just before the pre-chorus. They really give a sense of momentum and sort of like a horse chomping at the bit, uh, ready for the race to start. I like how Angus's solo uh, along those same lines can't wait to get started and sounds like sort of staggering down a, uh, a very gradual slope. There's also a very faint Thunderstruck-esque guitar at the back of the mix, which is a very nice touch. Track two is Rejection. It has a slightly wider verse melody than is typical for them. Uh, Brian shoots for a decently high note that probably would have sounded a bit better a few decades ago, but he uh, handles it. His little oomph at the end of the fanfare coming out of the solo sounds like an old man noise when sitting down or getting up. I make them now too, so I can say it. Overall, Rejection is a little bit monotonous. I, not my favorite song on the album, but uh, it's fine. Track three is Shot in the Dark, which was the lead single. I love the space in the riff with Cliff bubbling along underneath and Vintage Phil, the tom entrance to the chorus, the crashes on the upbeat in the chorus. And I like how the backing vocals take the punchline of the chorus and Brian does the response. Track four was definitely the biggest surprise of the album for me. It's called Through the Mists of Time, and it sounds very refreshing for them more contemplative than usual, uh, romantic even. Highway to Hell's Love Hungry Man is their only other song I'd say that about, I think. It sounds older and more mature than most of their stuff. Perhaps the issues they've dealt with in the past five, six years have caused them to uh, consider and come to grips with their own mortality a bit. Uh, Much more delicate dancing around the beat feel from Phil in the first verse, but uh, still as positive and energetic as you'd expect from them, even for a a more older, wiser, or uh, world-weary sort of song. Track five is Kick You When You're Down, which is the other song along with Rejection that I only gave a plus two rating. Uh, Part of me feels like it's too nondescript for them. You know, like it's good playing and everything, but sort of sounds like, I feel bad saying this about them, but like generic paint by numbers, hard rock. Uh, The other part of me still finds it quite enjoyable. I like the big staccato riff much better than the serpentine one. 
And uh, if they had cut out the Serpentine one, I might have liked it a bit better. Track six, uh, things pick back up significantly with Witch's Spell. I like the opening riff, and I love the sparse riff in the verses and Cliff's huge bass notes filling the gaps. I think it's just a big volume swell, but however they did it, it sounds awesome. And Witch's Spell has a great ending as well. It sort of crashes down in waves like the end of the jam in No Quarter on June 21st, 1977 in Los Angeles, if I may throw in a Led Zeppelin reference. Kicking off side two, we have track seven, Demon Fire. I don't like Brian's very deep, close to the mic intro, but it's redeemed by the ferocity of the rest of the song. I love the guitar work during the pre-choruses, especially the little stabs right before the chorus. And I love what Angus does just before the minute and 20 second mark. The ascending riff halfway through each verse is awesome as well. An all-out hellfire indeed. Track 8 is Wild Reputation, which has a great riff, and I love the interplay of the two guitars. Stevie has recreated Malcolm's chemistry with Angus really admirably. And this one reminds me a bit of Gone Shootin' off of Powerage, which is a high compliment indeed in the ACDC world. Track 9 is No Man's Land, which I really like. It has an excellent pre-chorus and transition into the chorus. I love how it sounds exactly like stepping into a wide open battlefield. And when I first took a closer look at the lyrics, uh, No Man's Land, No You Gotta Get Away, it made me think of how with the state of the world these days, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. I'm not sure if they intended it to have that meaning, but yeah, No Man's Land is a really great track. Track 10 is Systems Down, which has an excellent riff, really in your face, taking no prisoners, and one of Angus's better solos on the album, uh, short but effective. The penultimate track on the album is Money Shot, which has a nice groove from Phil, really slick bass drum part in the verses, and a good riff as well. A great Angus solo with a tight transition back into the riff, but most importantly, I think it has the best lyrics of the album, and good and clever lyrics are always a nice bonus in the Brian era. I will read you verse 2 and the chorus for you to get the gist of it. I got a good prescription for the state of your condition. You got to take it three times a day or as much or as much as you may. That's my diagnosis. And then the chorus, doctor, what's the antidote? Lady, try the money shot. Now for the benefit of the women and children, I won't explain that any further, but Urban Dictionary is your friend if you're curious. And finally, we have Code Red, the album closer. It features the collection of menacing riffs you would expect from one of their album closers. The lyrics continue the sort of battle imagery from No Man's Land. The chorus goes, station to station, yeah, code red, 
battle stations. Ooh, code red. Weapons ready. Code red. Fire one. Fire two. Code red. Which could seem a little cheesy. However, if you picture yourself on the bridge of a ship in a Star Wars movie preparing to fire, it's pretty cool. Thankfully, I often picture myself on the bridge of a ship in a Star Wars movie. I also have a soft spot for this one this time of year, that being college football season, as I can now use it as my pregame song for Ohio State games. Go Bucks! If I had to rank the songs on Power Up, number one, I would have Through the Mists of Time. I have to give it the edge for variety's sake and uh, to reward them for trying something a bit new. Number two, I would have Money Shot. Number three, No Man's Land. Number four, Wild Reputation. Number five, Witch's Spell. Number six, Demon Fire. Number seven, Code Red. Number eight, Shot in the Dark. Number nine, Realize. Number 10, Systems Down. Number 11, Kick You When You're Down. And number 12, Rejection. As far as placing power up within ACDC's catalog as a whole, the gap between the Bon Scott era and Back in Black and the rest of the catalog remains large. There are certainly individual songs post Back in Black that can go toe-to-toe with the earlier stuff, but no complete albums that can hold up, in my opinion. Having said that, Power Up compares pretty well with the rest of their post-Back in Black catalog. It worked out to a 3 on my song scale per song scale, which is a very respectable score for an album at this stage of an artist's career. I need to re-listen to a lot of the albums from that post-Back in Black period since I hardly ever do before I speak definitively on the matter, which I will do at some point over the next few months and then hopefully record an episode ranking ACDC's albums early in the new year, I would imagine. In summation, I think this album is appropriately titled. It certainly packs a punch. With the exception of Through the Mists of Time, it doesn't find the band pushing the envelope or dipping their toes into too many new waters, but that honestly shouldn't be expected at this point. They've been sticking to their winning formula for decades now, so if that bothers you, why are you listening? I was quite pleasantly surprised to have a song like Through the Mists of Time dropped in, actually. I happen to think that it displays creativity in a different way, being able to spin the same formula so many different ways for so long. And beyond that, in a year that has been filled with so many horrendous surprises, it's kind of nice to be gifted with some comfort food for the ears, like musical McDonald's. Like many fans, I'm sure, the best part of a new album, to me, is always the fact that it means a tour is on the way. I sure hope that a tour is possible sooner than later. Besides the usual impatience, these guys aren't getting any younger, which obviously makes touring even riskier for them right now, so it makes sense that they should be careful, and also their fan base aren't all spring chickens. But once a tour is possible, I think several songs on Power Up 
will lend themselves well to live performance. Although I won't lie, if I had to choose, I would prefer they continue to bust out not often performed songs from the Bon Scott era as they were doing with Axl Rose for the second half of the Rock or Bust tour. The set list also slowly grew from 20 to 25 songs with Axl, and it would be awesome if that can continue. I'm sure that will hinge largely on Brian, who is 73 and recovering from the hearing issue, which hopefully is completely healed. After that, uh, drums are the most physically demanding of the instruments, but Phil is 66 and Chris Slade was 70 at the end of the last tour, so Phil should be fine. Angus's stage presence makes his job very physically demanding, but he's 65 and is a, I hate this term, but you know, freak of nature. So I, I'm sure he would be fine. Uh, and his nephew Stevie is 63. And Cliff is 70, but I'd imagine he could handle the extra few songs per night. Whatever the circumstances or set lists are, you can rest assured that I will be at as many shows as possible once the Power Up Tour is able to happen. So I think that concludes my review of ACDC's new album, Power Up. Uh, Rolling Stones, you're on the clock. We're ready for your new album of originals. As far as the schedule for the next couple weeks here on the show, next week we will be back to The Grateful Dead after a two and a half month break with reviews of Dave's Picks Volumes 35 and 36. Volume 35 came out in the summer and it's the April 20th, 1984 show in Philadelphia, but I decided to wait to do it because... I didn't really have any weeks where I wasn't sure what to do. They were all kind of filled up. And I also was not very familiar at all with their 80s live output. So I wanted to familiarize myself a little bit more before recording that. And thankfully, Dave's Picks 36 turned out to be two shows from the 80s, March 26th and 27th, 87 in Hartford, Connecticut. So I'm going to give each of those releases their own review episode next week. And then the week after that, I'm going to be reviewing the Working Man's Dead 50th Anniversary Deluxe Edition, which also came out in the summer, but I wanted to wait until the release of the American Beauty 50th Anniversary Deluxe Edition so that I could do them together. And we'll do the American Beauty one, uh, I guess, three weeks from now, the week after the Working Man's Dead one. And then finally, we will wrap up season one with a Christmas episode the week of December 13th. So thank you all so much for sticking around. If you're a new listener, welcome to the show. If you've been here for a while, I really appreciate the continued support. As I've mentioned before, I'm now selling Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper t-shirts, which if you would like one, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at rocktalk.dr.cropper, or you can email me rocktalk.dr.cropper at gmail.com, and I would be delighted to facilitate you getting your paws on a shirt. And of course, all of the other usual housekeeping if you feel so inclined to leave a rating and review on the streaming platform that you use that would be 
most appreciated. And you can also follow me on Instagram, as I said, at rocktalk.dr.cropper or their Facebook page as well, Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper, so that you can stay informed and also get some content and on this day sort of historical updates that don't always make it onto the show. And that is all she wrote for today. So I hope you all have an awesome weekend and I will see you next week. Class dismissed.